you like our owl? How many questions does it usually take to spot? I don't get it, Tyrell. How many questions? 20, 30, cross-referenced. Fiery the angels fell. Deep thunder rolled around their shores, burning with the fires of a hawk. Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I am Jamie Prater, the host of Shoulder of Orion. I'm joined by a guest co-host today, Rick Howard. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks. Today we are here to discuss the Black Lotus panel uh, from the Crunchyroll Virtual Expo. Dan and Patrick were otherwise busy this week and they just couldn't do it. This is a really important time for the Blade Runner IP. I felt like it was important to cover it, especially this weekend and get this out here so that the fans have something to listen to, just to know where we're coming from. I'm not going to fully speak for Dan and Patrick, but I do know where they stand based off of some earlier material that we were that we had seen a couple weeks back but again today we're here to discuss the virtual panel which was hosted by Crunchyroll uh, actually hosted by the uh, head of development her name was Sarah Victor featuring the co-directors of the show Shinji Aramaki and Kenji Kamiyama so it was very it was about an hour long uh, 45 minutes about 45 and- yeah yeah, and uh, they got into a whole hell of a lot. So we're here to break down that down. Thanks again, Rick, for coming on the show. I'm glad to be here. What were your thoughts going into this? Well, um, I'm an eternal optimist. And even saying that, I had some concerns and reservations. And I'm not sure that I still don't. But um, I was eager to hear what they had to say and mm-hmm. see what they might show us. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure. I can't. I don't. I don't think they disappointed. I'm, you know, without giving too much away early on, I feel a, a little bit better than I did going into this. Yeah, that's. I, I don't know how I feel now. Uh, definitely listening to them, hearing them, hearing the mechanics of how the show came about. Honestly, a couple times I had some red alerts going off like oh boy like oh i don't know here and uh, there are a couple of mentions of very specific existing ips that are not blade runner that they reference and i'm like oh that's a problem um however at the end of it seeing what i saw that they showed which we'll get into i did feel a little bit better i felt like okay the mood's right they're, they're course correcting a bit but i guess we can just get right into this this panel was here to discuss how the show was created and why they were brought in and why a Japanese company was, was, was used and whose idea it was and where the story came from. And uh, what we heard right away was that Kenji and Shinji, it was their story. They said, hey, we want you to make a Blade Runner show come up with the story that was quite shocking to me yeah i was i was unexpected that was more free reign than i had imagined they might be given uh, honestly i was beyond shocked because i thought 
in my head, if you're going to do a Blade Runner series, a 13 episode, 22 minute series, you need a plan in place before you need Michael Green, you need a Hampton Fancher to lay that story down to know, hey, we're going to Crunchyroll. And we're go- we have a story in mind and we want them to tell it. It made, makes a little bit of sense now that some of our negative reaction initially was because it was a story that was sort of put together as they went along. And they had like six meetings, I guess, over the course of six months or four meetings. And they flew back and forth to L.A. And they, they said yes on some things and no on the other. Um, and again, when they were talking about this, I was like, oh, boy, this is a problem. And not that Shinji and Kenji aren't talented people. Blade Runner demands more time than that. It demands you not going in cold. It demands someone who has a bolder vision than just directors at an animation studio taking the reins. I completely agree. It's, uh, and I think it does, it has given us a little bit of a haphazard feel Mm -hmm. um, as a result. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more if it had some firm anchoring, um, more so than just fans of the film, which is kind of what I took away from it. They're enthusiastic, but, you know, just not quite cemented in, in the universe. Um, and uh, based on some of their commentary about the other IPs that you were mentioning, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's a... a leading too far out into that space, I think, and, mm-hmm. you know, past projects then saying, well, what's really inherent to this and taking advantage of, of some of that. Cause I think some of those folks like green would have, you know, been available to consult on something like this. And that would have mm-hmm. given it some firmer reality for us than I, than we might get. Yes. Uh, I, I do think, honestly, I'm a little shocked at Alcon's sort of Oh, well, we're going to step away and we're going to check in with you. I'm shocked at that approach because when they approached Denis for 2049, they were wholly involved. They were on set every day with Denis during that process. And for this, yes, there was check-ins and there were some checks and balances and accountability, but it was kind of like, well, let us know how you do. Let us know how it's going, you know? And I, I think, again, that's just some major alarms were going off for me. And uh, there was one particular moment in this panel where they reference Alita. And I was like, oh man, like that's just, that's the wrong reference. Not that there are Alita fans out there. That's great. I have no trouble with her, but she is not Blade Runner. That is a completely separate thing. Yeah, I took a, I only took a few notes and I have Alita with like all sorts of arrows and scratched out of my notes. It's like, no, 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 you know. And of course there were a lot of comparisons made early on by fans. Oh, she looks a lot like Alita. It's like, well, yeah, okay. So now we know why. But yeah, that that was an unfortunate comparison. I, I was sorry to hear that. But it does speak to, you know, a lot of where they're coming from, which is much more anime industry um, than I think I'm hoping for or was hoping for. And I wanted it to be less that and more Blade Runner. And since we'd seen that in, you know, the shorts, it's like, well, you know, they've got a roadmap at least um, that they could follow. And, and, they, and they have not quite done that, or at least it sure doesn't look like it yet. Mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. of what they are sharing in there as far as, you know, character development and stuff sort of in the same space. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, these aren't necessarily denizens of the Blade Runner universe that we might expect. Yeah. And they they like Blade Runner. They think it's important, but I honestly don't know. Like, for instance, I took uh, 
one of my notes I took was elements that help create the noir mood. And I'm like, well, that's not really like how that works. The, the neon isn't there to create a noir mood. The neon's there because that's what's in the city. That's a part of it. And noir comes from the almost the textural spiritual mood of it, you know, not the, I mean, sure. Yeah. There are visuals that play into the noir mood, but, and I realized, well, that's why the neon in the scenes that we've seen look kind of thrown all over the place because they're just like, well, well, this, this is Blade Runner. Right. And again, I think that that was, it's problematic because if you look at Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, all of that neon, all of that sign, it's not, it feels like form and function. It feels like one solid piece of art and it's in a city that's tangible and real. And the neon that I saw in Black Lotus feels thrown up there. It doesn't feel like it has that same form and function. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. A very, very much decoration as opposed to world building. But uh, yeah, their idea of a neon and rain-drenched city being noir is kind of missing the point. Uh, yeah, I don't thing- want to belabor it, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. I hear you. I think one thing that was interesting and I messaged you right away when I saw it was the original trailer they showed again. And I right away, and I knew when I saw the LAPD building, it was darker. It was moodier. I thought, okay, someone's taking some notes and this is a bit more of a moody, better looking version of the trailer than they had initially released. Yeah, absolutely. On my screen right now, I have side-by-side comparisons of those frames and it's decidedly a couple notches darker. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's where my uh, sort of slight return of optimism is like, okay, well, you know, they've got some room to tweak. It looks like they have, maybe they can at least remedy some of that, mm-hmm. but they've got a lot, you know, they've done a lot of work and they're running out of time. So course corrections are going to be, you know, limited, I think. Mm-hmm. And even then, based on what we've heard about their how they were approaching this project, I think we'll need to all adjust expectations accordingly. You know, again, they went, into depth about why they decided to use a woman or feature a woman and uh, as the protagonist, you know, I think the world is at the place where, hey, that's great, you know. Um, I think my issue with her having a katana isn't the katana itself, it's we have Michonne from Walking Dead, we have Kill Bill, I think the bride. We've seen women with a katana a lot lately. It's a decidedly overly used image. It just feels a little bit cliche at this point. Um, even though I have respect for the, the weapon, I have respect for the culture. I mean, traditional Japanese culture is some of my favorite like thing for sure. Um, I just don't know. And then they described the story as a replicant revenge story and i was like oh man that's problematic not that replicants don't want to seek revenge but none of what we've seen in the trailer in the films or the the three short films features any kind of that they're just discovering who they are they're discovering their emotions they're not they're more like children they're not these vengeful things and i don't want to overly judge it and be because i'm hoping for the best as well to be honest with you i just that tagline a replicant revenge story i just i was like no man that's 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 the wrong direction but yeah yeah it's going to be hard to imagine because i'm i'm with you on that that take on replicant you know development if you will and um how they're going to move her to that kind of place in the span of the series you know with the limited time they have is I don't know. It's a terrible mm-hmm. tagline. And I am yeah. pro-Japanese feudal culture, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. to be sure, but agreed, you know, we, we've seen enough swordplay to, you know, 
be good for a while. Yeah. But I do think that that's catering again to the to the industry. A lot of those decisions seem to be aimed at you know, how do we make this attractive to mm-hmm. the overall anime fandom. We'll see. Yeah. If the action scenes look good, you know whether they <laughs> we're happy to see them as they are or not. At least uh, what we've seen is styled well. So they showed us a new poster, which I thought was interesting. Same sort of colorful mood as the original. More characters you see. I don't know who the the title i can't remember her name jen i think her name is jen she's on the poster two other people are on the poster next to her and then you see some soldiers or some police down below and whatever and then a spinner very blade runner like uh, i think the, tra- the 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 key art is really beautiful and they did a really good job i still think the animation looks the character animation itself is problematic. It's overly simple. I do think that what I'm seeing from Black Lotus is miles above what I saw for what they did on Ghost in the Shell for Netflix. Like I remember seeing that trailer and I was like, nope, pass. And it looked just, I don't know, washed out and boring and just not interesting. But this looks more colorful. It looks more engaging. So that has its going for it. You know, I'm intrigued. And then they showed a trailer at the end of this, which was more like a teaser. I'm surprised they didn't show this first, but it made sense because it's course correcting and it was all mood. It was that same song, which I think is wholly problematic and it's not Blade Runner, but we saw the LAPD building. We saw some of the same type of city movement movement within the buildings like you see in 2049, which I thought was great. I thought, okay, this looks beautiful. It looked really, really good. Yeah, yeah. That that got me excited. It did have a, a great vibe to it. Very attractive. Felt much more in keeping. And, and to your point, really was a, all about a, a mood piece. And it felt like it had a lot of what could be the potential opening sequence as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they kind of had sort of a, you know, slowly pulling you into what things were about without explaining anything, you know, via dialogue or whatever. So it was, uh, it was, it was good. I'm, I'm glad they ended with that up note because mm-hmm. I would have been otherwise uh, unimpressed in general and just sort of sad about it. But it's like, okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah. By the end of that, however long, 45 seconds, one minute clip, I was like, this is gorgeous. I want to see more. They were successful. Most people we know for sure are going to enter this series very cautiously because I think first impressions are everything. And that first impression was not a good one, as you and I have discussed as we have talked about before i tend to skew optimistic too like i've been waiting for so long like especially as a podcast like give us some more content give us more things to talk about and honestly i've been in this place like man if this show isn't that great like i don't i don't know what we're gonna do (laughs) not that we're not gonna watch it and not talk about it because we're doing that with the comics you know but i hate not i hate watching something that i'm not in love with you know i like to or really interested in but honestly by the end of this little look they gave us at the end i was like okay i'm in yeah that's exactly where i was at down from i'll watch it because you know i'm compelled to my, you know, my fandom won't let me not watch it, but I'll do it reluctantly. And now yeah. I'm like, all right, well, now I'm, you have my attention again. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to leap in. I'm not going to get overexcited because I, you know, I've been bitten once by, you know, this so far. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a, a good enough experience that now it's like, all right, I will, I will eagerly look forward to that first episode and, and see what they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, because it feels like they might get there and and, uh, you know the panel discussion it was good in that it did provide enough information to give me a little more context from Mm -hmm. where i think they're truly coming from and that doesn't excuse 
any bad decisions that might happen in the production but at least it's easier for me to kind of filter some of that mm-hmm. as a result. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, and I feel the same way about the comics. There's a lot of things going on in there that I'm not a huge fan of, but overall I'm enjoying those. Mm-hmm. And I think I could do the same thing with this pretty easily. So not bad. One thing they said, I don't know if I said this already, but it is releasing in November. Uh, so we have a few months before it comes out. I, I don't know when, I mean, I don't know if that was the original time. Something tells me that they pushed it up a little bit so they could work a little bit more on it. I feel like it was supposed to come in October, maybe. I thought it was October, and I don't um, remember where I picked that up. It might have been a um, Canadian release information said something about October. So that pushback was good because I kept yeah. hoping maybe we were seeing some stuff that was a little raw. Mm-hmm. And um, so whether they're finishing work or reacting to feedback, either way, I don't care. Um, if they spend a little more time on it, that would be fantastic. I, I did notice that Shinji and Kenji, I could tell that some of their responses were in response to some of the feedback that they've seen online. And they're like, we really want to make sure that this is really speaking to Blade Runner fans. We really want to, you know, they were, I feel like at, towards the end, they were like, hey, we really want you to like this. And we, you know, we know that this is important to you. It felt like a, a, a whole response to a lot of essentially negativity that happened when they released that first trailer. And I, 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 not that I don't appreciate that. And I know that they're working hard on this. I know that they're doing their very best. So I would never like belabor them or, you know, judge them or, you know, poo poo on them. Uh, I think my surprise came more from Alcon sort of saying, Hey, here's this, beloved ip do what you want and they should have been like we have hampton fancher on the story or we have michael green on the story this is what we're working on we'd like to walk with you during this process we're going to you know we want to see from from cell number one to you know of each episode what's this dialogue like please let us know like here's our story we've had for five years please adapt something like this or whatever and they didn't do that and i think that is on alcon and so i think shinji and kenji are doing the very best that they can and i feel like something's telling me we're gonna like it yeah same same here and i and i and i think even as i try to subdue my optimism i still feel like that that's right that this is going to be good um you know i'm not saying it's gonna be great but I, but I am, I think I'm going to look back on the series and go, yeah, I enjoyed that. That was all right. And let's see what they do next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so we'll see. That's, that's, that's where I'm sitting at on that, but I uh, agree completely. I felt like that they weren't, they weren't apologizing, but they were certainly expressing their hope that, mm-hmm. um, you know, we would rally with them on this. And even though they didn't take advantage of those opportunities, it might've been there, you know, they definitely are giving it their, their, their all. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I have to give them some respect for just being in such a crazy, awkward spot. I mean, mm-hmm. what a task to try to meet the expectations of, you know, Blade Runner fans, um, you know, across a span of 40 years and international and just everything. So, you know, more power to them because that's not a, not an easy road to walk. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't. It's the holy grail of sci-fi. And uh, you've been given, you know, a part of it. Everyone's everyone, no matter how much you love the films or not, they're always, is this the one that's going to be falling off the cliff? Like everyone is because it's just it's been so amazing so long. Um, But I have hope for this. I I'm excited again. And this is where I want to be. I want to be able to talk about Black Lotus when the show launches uh, in a way that we can't wait. I don't know if they're going to how what they're going to how they're going to drop it if it's going to be a weekly thing if it's going to be like here's four episodes and here's four more i don't really know um but i'm excited to see 
more. I still have that taste in my mouth of the initial first trailer and the character renders and the mouth movements and the characters look like PlayStation 2 renders. And it was really, really concerning and disappointing to me. I don't, I hope we don't hear any more of that intro music anymore. Like the show needs that Vangelis, my um, Benjamin Wallfish music. That's what it needs. It doesn't need any hip, cool, you know, Grammy winning artists. Like that's not who Blade Runner is. It's not who, that's not who Blade Runner has ever been. And they released that song Almost Human by, I can't remember the woman's name. She sounds like Adele, but she's like a Christian version of Adele. She wrote yeah. a song for 2049 and they released the film with the song on it. And it was the song, not sure she's a great artist or whatever, but the song just didn't work. It was just essentially awful. And they removed it uh, eventually. And it's not on, it's not on some scores that you purchase now. And it's not on the film when you buy it. So they were listening. Um, and I just, I really feel like that song sets the wrong tone for the show. And I know what oh, they're yeah. doing. It's a marketing thing. I get it. Oh yeah. I just hope that this the show is filled with that ambient music sounds that we love and less with modern music. So yeah, if they could back off of that, that would be nice, you know, or, or put it on the end, roll it with the end credits or something. Mm-hmm. I you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully they'll well, they'll pick up on that and uh, realize that that's not the best pitch for this. They've got plenty of other between character design and whatnot that I think will appeal to mm-hmm. a younger quote-unquote uh, group of fans. Use the use that tune to their best advantage and then get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, Be okay with that. Yeah, for sure. I have a question for you, unrelated, well, related because it's Blade Runner, but we always ask anyone who's come on the show that's new because you're new and we've been talking with you before, like, hey, if you want to come on, just let us know. But tell us your story about Blade Runner. Like, how did you get involved with it? When did you first fall in love with it? Oh, man. So this is one of those stories that reveals your age, right? So I saw (laughs) Blade Runner back in its original theatrical release. And so because of that, um, I'm always, you know, married to that version. You know, everyone's like, oh, I hate the voiceover. It's like, oh, I, I get that. But, you know, you, your first love is your first love kind of mm-hmm. thing. And while I appreciate all the additional cuts, um, you know, I've never had a problem with that. So I was fortunate enough to see it on one of the largest screens in the state with Dolby Surround, which was a huge thing then. And it was mind-boggling, jaw-dropping. And I can't remember multiple views same weekend and it was one of those deals where um you know just simply could not get enough it was so immersive and and um i have not been able to stand down from it it's been persistently consistently top of heap i don't know what it is it speaks to me about it at this point in my enthusiasm for blade runner it's not even so much about story anymore it's just being in that world type of thing so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the reason uh, black lotus has got to you know be careful because things that start to unravel that for me it's like oh that's not my world that's not where my basket mm-hmm. hat wearing bike riding people live you know so i need that kind of thing but yeah long long time uh, passion, huge fan. I don't know. I don't know how to answer the question. I've lived with it for 40 years. So that's great. Well, you look like you're 35, so I don't know. I awesome. Can't that's kind of you. <laughs> kind of um, you. So let, let, let me just ask you the next uh, sequential question then. When you heard about 2049, what were your thoughts initially? Were you as apprehensive as everyone else was? Oh, yeah, a- absolutely. Um, 
only be it's you know one of the lines that came up and i agreed with was you know this is one of those sequels that we didn't ask for mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and i was never looking for one never even imagined there could be one right the creation of blade runner is was a unique film in a production it was in a unique time and space and there was it's very difficult to recreate that you know just all of the production challenges and everything that went to it gave it so much more than other films might have and nobody's been successful in recreating the Blade Runner universe since that film so when 2049 came up it's like well what are they going to do mm -hmm. um, but uh, the initial footage on it really did sort of go you know this feels pretty good this looks kind of like what i might expect down the road mm -hmm. um and it it captured my my curiosity so i i was in when it first showed up and while i wasn't as completely agog at the end i walked out of the the theater and that feeling really pretty good it's like this really? is all right this is this is going to work you know, and never felt the need to do that. You know, well, this is a Blade Runner type comparison. Like, no, I, I think this is, you know, I think this is exactly what I might expect when the passage of time, you know, and, and world events within that universe. So it was, it was good. It was good. But I was, I was completely apprehensive, not so sure about it, afraid they'd ruin the franchise, all mm -hmm. of the usual stuff, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. very happy. It didn't hurt. I mean, Denis is a great director i enjoyed his work prior to that so i was like well if anybody can do it it felt like he was a good choice for it mm -hmm. like everybody else in that respect i didn't come in but yeah yeah this is gonna be fantastic but yeah. when it was all said and done it's like all right yeah. all right yeah. i'm glad he didn't worry too much totally like i went in there with hope i had seen denise films i certainly made a point to watch what i could and then i just went in there with hope because sometimes you can someone can really like something. Oh, I really love this, but they don't know why they love it. And so when they go into the IP to make a sequel or whatever, them loving it wasn't enough. They didn't understand it. And I think Blade Runner takes some real understanding, which I think to Black Lotus, my fears are they don't really under, not that this is true or not, I don't know, we'll see. My fears are they don't understand what Blade Runner is about because it's not about action. It's not about neon. It's about that really quiet human journey you know and everything else is anecdotal to it the atmosphere is anecdotal to it the music is anecdotal to it but they're all characters the music is a character the settings a character some of the gadgets are a character you know like that the the vk or the the baseline tests those are all characters at this point in this world and that's how you have to approach it you have to have someone who understands fundamentally what that what that means um so hopefully fingers crossed they do yeah absolutely but that, that but that is the root of my fear you know the thing i think that's still gnawing at the back of my mind is i mm -hmm. don't hear them saying what i expect them to say and i'm hoping it's just something lost in translation you know mm -hmm. that they're enthusiastic then they love the film but do they you know do they are they getting it do they mm -hmm. do they really you know at the core sort of have that what you're describing and i don't know hopefully as you say all fingers crossed yeah that's yeah, the way it's going to pan out it's walk, like walking on the edge of a knife it is a it is an art form to get this world pitch perfect i mean that's why the sequel was so impossible because they just did and 
there are outliers of people who are like, well, that wasn't really the world that I imagined, or this wasn't really the sequel that I was looking for. For sure, there are those people. They're not a lot, actually. 80, I would, I usually say like 90 to 95% of fandom is like, we love this movie. It's amazing, which is awesome and an impossible thing to do. And I hope to walk away from Black Lotus, maybe not there, but saying, wow, this is pretty good. I have some trouble yeah. with it. I have some issues, but this was pretty good. So that's my hope. Yes. That we're not we're not uh, super sad and uh, embarrassed by it. Later on, oh, that's that cartoon, right? It's like no. <laughs> or hopefully, it's like yeah, that was pretty representative. If you like that and you haven't seen the films, go see the films. Totally. Well, Rick, thank you so much for coming on the show. This isn't uh, a very long episode, everyone. Uh, I just felt like we felt like as a team to put something out there because this is what everyone's going to be talking about. What we saw this time around was really great. The show releases in November. We don't have a date in November, but it is November. Um, the show, Shoulder of Orion, is it's not on hiatus, but we're releasing once a month. That's going to change when Black Lotus releases. We'll probably, we're going to go back to at least at least twice a month. We'll see where that goes. There's going to be a lot to discuss in terms of character and setting and so much. So we're really excited. Uh, the next show we, we're going to be releasing will be on August 17th and it is an interview with first ac on 2049 chris summer so please tune in for that thank you everyone for supporting us via patreon and for our listeners and for putting up with us thank you rick for coming on please come on more thanks will do all right see everyone If you would like to find out more about Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com. If you would like to support the show via Patreon, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support. Thank you.